Welcome to episode three of the Zero Analytics Podcast. Today our guest is Matt Jester of Milford, Delaware. Join me as we explore the journey from karting to fulfilling his dream of piloting a big block Dirk Modified. Along the way, we dive into his national championships in the Gold Cup Series to track championships and Dirt Modifies. Throughout the conversation, Matt refers to luck many times, but I think after listening, it'll be evident that his hard work and dedication have given him the skill set to succeed at every level of racing and will continue to serve him in his new endeavor of being a dad. So if you see Matt in the stands this year, stop by and let him know how much you enjoyed this conversation. I've known Matt for many years, but it was fun to sit down and hear his story and thought process when it comes to driving and attacking different aspects of racing. Ladies and gentlemen, without any further ado, my friend, Mr. Matt Jester. All right, welcome back everyone to episode three of the Zero Analytics Podcast with Jamie Lewis. Today's guest is a former Gold Cup racer, uh, Dirt National, uh, actually Pavement Nationals as well, uh, as a four-time national champion with multiple state championships on dirt and and asphalt all the same, and after his go-karting career, he moved on into both mod lights and big block and small block modified racing on the dirt circuit up here in like the mid-Atlantic to northeast. We have Matt Jester of Milford, Delaware. What's up, Matt? What's going on, Jamie? Nice to be here. Yeah, man. I'm glad you can make it. Yeah, um, you know, I've, I've talked to you a little bit the past past couple of weeks. You've enjoyed the podcast, so luckily everyone's kind of liking it a little bit, so I can get more people to come on here and agree to talk and everything. And uh, one thing I want to do before we even get started is congratulations on the new addition to your family. That's definitely been cool. It's a something to get used to. It's different than the the stuff you got to learn on the racing scene. Uh, I'm not as good as learning the the stuff in the house part as I have been on the racing side. So I'm 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 learning, and it's uh it's early, but I'm it's something that I'm super grateful that I took the time to step back from racing to like realize and understand. And some people go through it all and don't see the family side, and I wanted to make sure that I was there for that and. It was really cool to be there for that. That's good. So it's, uh, did you have a boy or a girl? It was a boy. A little boy, and it's yeah. four weeks old. Four weeks old, uh, named him Kale Reese, so went with old uh, Kale Yarborough throwback, so. Good deal, man. Cool name, and I saw a couple pictures, and there's a cool little picture you had on Twitter where uh, it fits right inside your old racing helmet, and uh, if you let me post that, I definitely want to share that after the podcast. It was, uh, you know, having kids, which probably most of the people listening to this, it's a uh, it's a cool little cool little picture, man. So happy for you and your wife, Megan. That was definitely a cool thing, and it was even cooler that the photographer was the one that came up with the idea and wanted to do it. And she seen the the helmet and had talked to my wife about the racing and thought it was cool. So it's cool to just somebody else see it and respect, say the racing side, and you know want to want to do something like that. So we did it and. It wasn't it's something that I thought I was retired, so I didn't really want to do it. But looking back, like you can't take those memories away. So you know, it's something I look forward to, even though I hope he golfs instead of races. Yeah, it'd probably be a little bit cheaper, huh? That's uh, my my tire guy on the racing deal. He's uh, he's a nasty golfer, so I'm hoping that uh, <laughs> the boy comes out with a good driving hand. Good deal, man. Good deal. So what have you been up to lately? Other than having kids. <laughs> no, it's uh 
here lately it's been having the kids um, actually sold off some of the modified stuff, still have some stuff. Um, just trying to step back. Like I never, never thought of myself as being a full-time, you know, all my life racing. Um, I just, I wanted to have a family, you know, settle down, kind of experience that stuff. Um, but also say, get ready for the next thing. Yeah. And I don't know what the next thing is, but you know, we're starting to stack wood to build a fire, you know, is about all I can think of it. Right. And hopefully the fire is some money. Yeah. That's, we're here to make money now and you know, racing was fun and that's cool. But you, know, you got kid and maybe kids, uh, you know, we gotta, gotta start shaking the money tree at some point. Yeah, man. Kids, uh, definitely if you do it the right way, which it sounds like you are, I mean, they're, you know, it was the only thing that really changed me, you know, and unfortunately the truth is for me anyway, that, you know, having a kid, that was the first thing that I ever loved more than myself, unfortunately, you know, so it's, it's good, man. It'll, it'll definitely help. I think if you do it the right way and I just, you know, I know you and a little bit of your family, I just, you're going to do it the right way. So I, you know, I hope you enjoy that. But, um, so anyway, but I just want to get that out of the way. And uh, I know that something you did want to say uh, off the, off the bat, uh, maybe you want to say a couple words about G-Man. Yeah, definitely. Uh, if everybody doesn't know, uh, Graham Glassman, G-Man Body Works, uh, was a super big contributor to my career. Um, was kind of the first one to ever you know, step up and you know, want to be behind you, which gives you the confidence to go out and do more. Um, and it, it all started with being around good people and being associated with those people. Uh, but G-Man was, without a doubt, the coolest older guy that I'll ever know. Uh, probably give me the realest advice in racing that I've ever been told. Uh, we were out to dinner somewhere, and he told me, he said, do on to others before they do on to you, baby. And that's it. You know what I mean? If you don't wreck them before they wreck you, well, then you just stupid something. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? At, at the end of the day, when I got taken to school, I thought back to what G had to say, and that's it. I mean, you either do on to others before they do on to you, or you get got. Uh, and it's, unfortunately, like, everything can be cold, but sometimes racing can be cold, too. So, like, you got to step up and do it. And that was kind of the first thing that really opened my eyes and was like, damn, like, I guess you do got to be raw. Like, you can't be a nice guy all the time. So, like... I respect the hell out of G. He give us a parking spot at all the Gold Cup races. Um, when really, I mean, we were just some scrubs from Delaware, um, and then just happened to win some races. You know, we had some good ponies pulling us down straightaway. Easiest place to pass people. Yeah. Uh, so, G Man was the coolest dude in the world. There's so many people that would say the same exact thing, um, but there's only like. There's only so many people that you would want to go back and have a conversation with, and G's one of those people. Cool dude. That's good, man. Uh, like I said, I certainly didn't know him personally, but you know, my I know at at one time the you know the Diamond State Fifty, you know, sponsored by G Man. I mean, that was the biggest race around here, and it it was it's the first time in a long time there was excitement around here for dirt racing. So um, you know, and just from what 
people I respect in the sport, including yourself, have said about him. And you know, even going back to the Ronnie Robinson days, he would be there in the open houses and things like that. And uh, so, uh, it, you know, someone that really gave back to the sport. So it's you know, he's surely going to be missed by a lot of people. And um, a couple of things that I've seen on the internet, that, you know, nothing but kind words and and thoughts and prayers and stuff like that. So um, he's he definitely uh, he had a way of like talking to cool talking to people and being cool but he at the end of the day he had to make money you know this wasn't something that like he was just doing to do like he was trying to make money at it and if you look back like you know he took some of the ideas from Carrie Parnell's body you know the flat left side and but he did this stuff with plastic bodies and at the time there's people that run fiberglass bodies that were like and plastic bodies are for cobs, you know, and there wasn't many people that would want to do that. But, you know, G-Man was one of the guys that when he stuck his neck out to, like, accept you and helped you or do whatever he could for you, that well, then you, you did everything you could to, you know, pay it back for him. And there's a lot of stuff that I'd like to just have one more conversation with and just to hear his... uh I guess witty expression, or he'd have something smart ass to say, and that's what I think. Me, Colborn, Dishroon, everybody—he's—he's he's at the top of a lot of people's lists that would like to, you know, talk to him. Just say one more thing. Good deal, man. And uh, moving on to you know, moving on to a little lighter. I'm glad we can cut this shit out. <laughs> if you need to answer, can you? Okay. Um, all right. So moving on. I uh, just wanted to, uh, kind of curious, what, do you have any hobbies outside of racing? Uh, hobbies outside of racing or... Uh, what else do you like to enjoy? I mean, any, anything, really. I mean, I mean, I watch football. I drink beer. Um, I've tried to, like, do other stuff. Uh, I mean, go out on a boat and do that stuff. Uh it took a little bit of thinking to like really get outside of the racing world because that's ever since I was shit six or so. I mean, that's all I ever really did. So it's get out of a race car. What else you gonna go do? Uh, go get on a boat and grab a clam raker. You know, you might as well drink a beer if you're gonna have a clam raker in your hands. Uh, I mean, it's just kind of do what you can do to stay busy, have fun, enjoy life, and. Keep moving forward. Good deal, man. Good deal. I, I went claiming last year when my uh, son goes in this little, <clears throat> he goes to a martial arts summer camp, and right down here off of Millsboro, like in the point, went out there. I mean, there's nothing better than catching it and eating it about two hours later, a little bit of butter. Oh, yeah. The best thing is with the texture, you know, all the little kids didn't want it. So we had, I think, 180 we had there, and uh, it was a good meal for myself. Oh, know? yeah. So, That's, I've grown up, my dad... Obviously, he was a big part of the uh, fire company. Uh, they always had, you know, say, summer clam fest where everybody in the whole fire company would get together, go out clamming, uh, go back, steam clams, you know, drink beer, obviously. More bullshit being talked than you could ever imagine. Uh, just kind of, you know, that's living off the land. You know I mean? You're out digging up something that you're getting ready to go steam up for dinner while you're drinking beer, having fun with your family, your friends. Like, there really doesn't get much cooler than that other than, 
you know, winning a big race and maybe getting a good check with it, too. No doubt. And uh, you, you touched base on uh, your dad being in the fire company. And uh, I, I mean, I know, you know, I see a picture of your dad on Facebook. He's it's like, just like some people, man, on Facebook, it's like, I know them from racing, but it's like, I don't know if I know them well enough to be like, hey, man, let me check out your life, you know. And uh, But I know that he, he has been into the fire department. Is that uh, is that in the, the Milford Fire Department? Just out of curiosity, man. He just, actually, he was, he started off in Milford, um, or maybe that wasn't the first company. I think he was first involved in Slaughter Beach, uh, but he was the chief in Milford uh, for years, and then chief in Slaughter Beach. Um, now he's actually chief of the chief's association, so he's the chief of the chief. Uh, that's kind of kept him busy um, here in the last couple of years to where you know I'm racing, and you know, it, it come to the point where he... He began to have a lot of fun with the fire company. Now he's starting to teach more people about it. And that seems, I mean, it, fire to him is racing to me type, type deal. Mm -hmm. It's kind of how I see it. Uh, and that's cool. Like, he loves it. Uh, I love fire too. Like, I love going through a house that's on fire. But when they said you gotta climb up this ladder and then carry it to the next story and go up it and keep carrying and keep no sir, like I was toast. Like <laughs> I'll I'll go through and get anybody out that you want to, but I can't go up no ladders. Uh, so that was kind of the end of it and uh I figured at that point I better uh stick to racing. No doubt. Well that's an admirable thing to do, man. So that's uh you know what's up, Terry. Uh, <laughs> good deal, man. I mean that honestly to have you know, to have a dad that you're looking up to like that, I mean that's you know, serving a purpose, not that, not that everyone, you know, not to take anything away from anyone's dad, but I mean, you know, to serve society like that, that's a, that's an admirable thing to do, so. It's really, like, he's, he's been through hell and high water, kind of, with his love for fire, really, um, shit, it was years ago, um, he got blown off the top of a silo, uh, led to a back surgery, so it's kind of, his love for his, you know, say fun activity and it caused him pain and uh at the same point uh at, at one point for me my fun point it became painful for me too as far as you know just there's a lot of people that don't realize it but it, you go through a lot of beating around like there were either go-karts and fiberglass seats stock cars you know late model drivers modified like at the end of the day, if that car isn't moving, it's your spine that's moving. You know, so like it, everybody feels it. Long story. Appreciate firefighters and race car drivers, and drink to that. Come on. <laughs> I'll cheers to that, man. I'll cheers to that. That's pretty cool. Good deal. So earlier, when you were talking a little bit, you were you said that you got started. Uh, you guys started at a young age, like you said, six. I mean, tell me, I know Colburn was telling me about a little story about you riding a, maybe like a little yard cart out behind uh, maybe another race shop or something. Yeah. Me Could you tell me tell me a little bit about that, if you don't mind? Well, my dad, he was obviously was into the fire company, but he managed somehow to, I ain't quite figured this out. Like, I'm new to this dad deal, but I don't know how he figured out all this time, uh, now that I'm thinking back, but. Long story short, we we would go to Jamie Mills's shop. Uh, my dad would help them on the car, you know, do whatever, and I'd run this 
yard cart out back, little cage fun cart, and I'd run it, run it, run it. Well, when they'd run out of gas, they'd hear that there wasn't no motor running, and they'd come out with a gas can, fill me up, I'd just keep on running. So, uh, yeah, it was, I've always been around racing, you know, seen racing, started at a young age, and, you know, got out for a little bit. But it, being around and always seeing, you know, guys driving bigger cars and just seeing that side of stuff was always pretty cool. Gotcha. So when when did you make the transition from the cage yard cart to some sort of like a racing type atmosphere? And we actually uh, we took the the yard cart fun cart. Took it to Middleford back when the track was, I guess, in its position that it is now. Uh, I call it the opposite way, but it changes quite often. Uh, we took it to Middleford, and we're just pretty much, you know, running laps. And I don't remember if it was intermission or we were making laps. Well, there was a a, a bad fire. Somebody was killed in the fire, and. They had a 50-50 one night. Well, it happened to be a night that my sister went to the races, and she goes up to buy some 50-50 tickets for this, you know, brand-new Coyote or close to brand-new. So she gets these tickets, and we end up winning it. So from, you know, going out and running the heat race in a yard cart to winning a Coyote during intermission to trying to somehow figure out how we can run this coyote in the feature it was i remember it almost clear as day but the end of the day was we aren't running this coyote this week we gotta get it ready you know the pedal's way too far out so like that was the very first thing that i remember uh being there winning that go-kart and looking back and it it was leland holmes's brother uh, his name was Lonnie. I don't remember his last name. I don't believe it was the same Holmes. Uh, but I remember Leland from, you know, being around Kevin. Uh, I remember Leland in the Milford Street race in the Domino's cart. So, like, years later to look back and, like, you know, see that, say, my first racing cart come at the expense of somebody else, like, yeah, I thought that's pretty cool. So it's an odd way, but uh, you know, I hope the old boy feels like he went for a ride. Yeah, you know, I guess. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so when you, so after that, I guess you put it together, and you guys started. Did you race? So you. It's kind of stuck to dirt at first, like kind of at the middle four track at the time. Did yeah, at that time, um, well, my dad, he worked with uh, Jay Darlin at BAC, Baltimore Aircoil. They'd done sponsored many go-karts, don't even know about it. Uh, the Watson boys, they'd done sponsored them too. Uh, now, just just so I get um how old are you right now? I am... 34. 34. Just turned 34. You gotta so, think about it now. So we're talking when you when you were getting your start, where you started to get the right equipment and stuff like that. Roughly, like what about what year is this? I mean, when I won the go kart, I mean, hell, I don't remember what I'm. I don't remember if I'm supposed to lie right now or what. I think I mean we had us a. It was a blurry, 
you know, birth certificate or something. I think they scanned it a couple times or we had a problem being able to read the date. Uh, so I ain't quite sure how old I was. It was a little younger than I think you're supposed to be. Right. Well, you're tall, so it works out for you. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I don't think meeting the weight requirement was the problem. I think that was the, I mean, we wanted them to up the weight requirement from the time I got into it. Yeah. And that was, I mean, we we started off and had the Darling, Kevin Darling, Jay Darling. Uh, Kevin was building the motors. Jay was kind of the chassis deal. Uh, Jay worked with my dad. Uh, we started off doing that. And, I mean, to be honest, we did good until I got too damn big you know, to race. And it was, you know, at that time I was three foot tall and three foot wide. So, uh, you know, we'd, we could run fast, but you know, at the end of the day, you got to be able to move some weight around to get faster. Uh, and it, it took me a couple years to, quite realize that in go-karts but at the end of the day that's where your speed's at if you ain't got weight bolted on the seat then you're slower than what you should be uh started there moved up uh until it was you know too much you know we had to get out and we wanted to do other stuff i was a little bit you know i knew i was too big to race go-karts couldn't add weight to the cart was giving up too much weight so we just took off and started going fishing you know enjoying other stuff and you know, that was a time where in the last episode i believe i was uh, 10 at the time you know we went to rockingham and that helped kevin i guess get his career started and i didn't even know all i knew was we went down there and drugged him like the old boy drug him by half track and we were I was 10 years old and it was on, like that was it. I didn't know why we were there or what we were there to do, but all I knew was, you know, they seen the checkered quite a bit after my man seen the checkered. And from that point on, it was it, just seeing everything. You know, I seen, I would see Kevin win a, a gold cup and then I'd see Greg Coverdale, you know, just straight, slinging it on the outside at Potomac uh my dad would go help Greg and you know, just being with them guys and if you're around a, enough racing people you know you're you have to learn like if you ain't learning something then you ain't in the truck with them because they're talking shit and you're forced to listen to it so like it was I seen a lot of racing I seen how people acted um, and I was kind of starting to see like what I needed to do to be better, I guess, in my own sense. Right. And, uh, so you were increasing your, your racing IQ at a young age and, you know, I mean, you were picking up a lot of things that you probably referred back to after the point. And, uh, just the one thing I just want to get back to you real quick. Um, when your dad helping Coverdale, Coverdale, Sprint car racer, right? Yeah. Okay, just for some people that oh yeah, they might not be from the area, but yeah. So that was a sprint car guy, but one um, of the nastiest, wildest, bang the cushion, just yeah. I mean, it was one of the realest moments I remember is him at Potomac and just I mean running the dog shit out of this car, <laughs> and he brought it. I mean, he, like that was it, and people. I mean, cause he was the real deal. 
you know, for a long time and did it on a, a shoestring budget. And I, I thought that was cool as shit. I seen it first down. Good deal. There's a, so you're t roughly 10 years old. Right? So you're riding around, you're just, you're around racing a lot. I mean, you're around national champions, you're around sprint card, you know, series champions, track champions. I mean, you you're just, your IQ and like what, you're just around it so much that like you can't help but just pick up like piece after piece. Like both, even at 10 years old, like you're going to pick up little pieces throughout that. So at, so at 10, all right, so you're, you're traveling with Kevin at this time, you know, you're doing the gold cup thing and how, like, how did you ride? Like, was that the first year you ran the gold cup series? No, I never, um, or were you just going with them to help? <coughs> Actually, you know, Looking back, I didn't even know why the hell we went to North Carolina. And I didn't know why Kevin was in the truck. You know, we was going racing. And Kevin was driving the cart. You know, that's all I knew. And at the end of the day, he won the damn race, and that was cool. Um, you know, I mean, I didn't start running Gold Cup until I believe I was 15 or 16. Um, we had helped out, I guess, guys, hung around race shops. And then... Uh, yeah, finally decided we wanted to get back into it and do a little bit of racing. And my dad at that time worked with uh, Chris Niebert. And, you know, we did outlaw racing up at Dover and, you know, kind of traveled around a little bit. And Chris, he dabbled in the road courses over at Chestertown. And so that was, say, a little bit of my first, like, moving around, uh, say, checking out. Dover, checking out Chestertown, uh, seeing a little bit of differences and stuff. Uh, after we had run that for a little bit, I mean, we we were having fun, you know, but we really weren't, we weren't like, you know, winning nothing. We were having more fun than we were winning, which you know, in the grand scheme of things, that's what it's all about. Right. Uh, at a certain time, you know, we started wanting to win more than we were having fun, or maybe it was just me. I don't, I don't remember exactly how it was, but like we were wanting to up everything. Like at that time, we had a, a older offset cart that we were running on the road course, and you know, five years later, road courses or offset is a good on a road course. It's got to be the right offset go kart. So you know, we were we were trying to make chicken salad out of you know chicken shit well once we finally got the right package uh go-kart tires wheels motor i mean it it it's not one thing it's everything um like you, you can't go go you can't go road course racing with a cobbed up dirt operation like you have to have at least somebody pointing you in the right direction to say, you know, well, if you're going to do this, you got to do this. Like, this is, this will save you a lot of time. Do this. So it, it took a lot of time to realize, you know, that we needed to have a coyote. You know, that's what, to run Chestertown, we needed to have a coyote. And I needed to get comfortable feeling this. Uh, it, these are the tires you're supposed to be on, not these. Well, like, it, you either race for 10 years and you spend 10 years worth of money figuring that stuff out or you, you know, find the right person that you know, knows that stuff. 
Well, at that time, you know, Kevin obviously was pretty badass at road course racing. So, you know, we asked him, you know, what what's the cart to be on, Coyote? What's this to be on? You know, this is what you need to have. This is what you need to have. This is it. This is it. Well, start off, you know, and I still wasn't winning races. Like, there was none of it that, like, happened because of this, because of this. Like, the work that Kevin talks about that, you know, you had to put in for the road course, like, that, I mean, that was the God's honest truth. And it was so hard to figure out, like, you know, how he talks about you got to drive straight to the corner, you got to stop the cart, and you got to cock it. You know, you don't know that stuff until you do it. A thousand times or you see you know somebody go do it and I've always personally thought that go-kart racers uh, if you threw five badass road course racers out on a racetrack I mean you're seeing synchronized racing like these dudes are just dicing getting through the S's like it that's what it's about you get up to the hairpin you're who can drag the brake the longest like that's where you figure out where somebody knows what they're doing. So, like, I watched. I feel like I watched a lot of people do it, and then eventually it came to me. Um, but it it was something that really took a while to figure out and learn before I could ever go apply it to the first Gold Cup race. Like, there was a lot of a lot of struggling, way, way, way more losing than winning uh, before we ever attempted to go to a national. And then when Kevin's like, man, you guys need to go to a national. And I was like, well, shit, if he thinks we need to go to a national, then and my fat ass needs to lose some weight. You know what I mean? I'm 230 pounds. You know what I mean? We can't run super heavy weighing 230. We need to weigh 205. You got to be, if you're going to do something, you got to do it. And that was that was how it started. And it, Go into the off season, learn what you gotta do, you know, lose weight and get ready to start running gold cups, which was a, what it was all about at that time. Right. <clears throat> and what like roughly what year is this? The first gold cup was two thousand one. Uh, I believe it was March two thousand one. Um uh, Jacksonville. Hundred and third Street. Probably the baddest racetrack on the circuit. So when you started off this year, what so what what classes were you running? Like, or what were you gonna plan on running this that year? At that time, I was gonna run super heavy because that was the class that we could show up and we could add a little bit of weight to the seat, and we wouldn't be overweight even if we didn't have no weight on the cart. So that was we went down to Jacksonville. It was kind of you know six by twelve trailer and. Cole Warren told us this is what you need to have, and yeah, I remember it clear as day. Like it was, we went down there and had old uh, Bunky Whiting. He was kind of doing his thing at the time. His crazy ass brother Will. He was in the pits writing on trailers and stuff, doing crazy stuff. No, so, I mean we went down there and it really, we went down there with good stuff. And the God's honest truth is we went to a new track that I didn't know. I didn't know if you were supposed to gas it up, break it, let off. All I you knew was it had a long straightaway, and I knew we had good power. So 
ended up we sat on pole and won the heat and won the feature and was totally like blown away. I, I couldn't believe that like I had went from say Chestertown and couldn't quite figure out how to do it there and then go to Jacksonville, listen to what Kevin told me, uh, try to do it as exactly as he would tell me to do it. And then it worked out and it was like, holy shit, like this is, this is it. Like, yeah, and then they told you to stand on top of the podium and that was, that was it. That was the coolest thing ever. That's awesome, man. So when you, so 2001, is that the, did you win the national championship that year as yeah. well? Yeah, yeah, that was the first year. We won, uh, won Jacksonville and then went to East Lansing. Um, still really, I mean, looking back on it, really didn't know nothing. Uh, just was like kind of riding the high of, say, first winning and feeling, you know, riding what that felt like. Um, so it was like, well, let's, let's go to East Lansing and see what we can do. And at that time, Zach Esters, he was like the man and super heavy. Uh, Michigan was his, that was kind of his stomping grounds. So let's go up here and see what we got. And we went up there and, and this track wasn't really about horsepower. You know, you had to turn the wheel about 37 more times than you did at Jacksonville. And the straightaways were a lot shorter than Jacksonville. And so it was like, damn, like, I guess I'm gonna have to step up here. And so they, I, I feel like I did what Kevin told me to do. You know, you, you walk around the track and you learn stuff. And like, that's really looking back at it. Like that's where it all, if you can't walk around the racetrack and see what you're going to do when you get there, well then, you know, you, you got to figure that out before you get out there in a go-kart and actually do it. Kevin was probably one of the first ones to blatantly explain that and, you know, put it on a clear picture for me that I could understand and, you know, say go fast with. So we went to East Lansing. He tells me, do this, do this, you know, this is the corner, this is this, got carry speed here. And I felt like that was, you know, that's priceless information. Like, you can't take that. Like, there ain't nobody else getting that information. So, you know, we go out, do our thing, and, you know, we're on the pole. And, you know, we won that one. And it was, it literally, like, it, it, it took a crazy turn and I guess looking back it was through a lot of hard work and like a lot of losing um, but I mean really if you have something that's set up right then I mean it doesn't take a rocket scientist to do it you just gotta know that you gotta put your work in learn your craft and know that you know, one day you ain't gonna beat these people. The next day, they better bring their lunch because you know we're coming with it. Uh, so it's it was a lot of learning. Um, looking back on it, it was a whole lot of losing. Uh, but once the winning started happening, it seemed like it it kind of rolled. Uh, 
and that was the coolest thing ever, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, I think too, especially where, uh, you know, Alex White, who I helped, he he did the same thing when he was younger. You know, he was heavier, and he lost a bunch of weight for racing. And I think that because he had more invested in it, just like yourself, you know, at, at your age, yeah. you know, at that age, even as a teenager, I mean, when you lose twenty five pounds, I mean, you're you're committed to doing something, and I think that probably carried over i mean along you know i mean you had kevin you had i mean you had good equipment you were but you were invested in it i mean you were gonna you were gonna do everything you could do and uh, and luckily that was enough to win you know so it was i mean it was definitely i had the right people around me um but i mean at that time i was i was literally working out for football um planning on playing football and the coach wanted me to play on the offensive line he's like boy you need gain weight i'm like Man, old old boy is building my motor. Says I need to cut a couple pounds, you know. <laughs> so it was like I don't. I mean, I don't really quite see myself as somebody that's gonna like do anything in football. Uh, it definitely wasn't like showing that way. So uh, hell, I might as well like go racing and you know see if we can have some fun and it. Was, it was definitely more like we're having fun and then the like winning more or less just kind of started happening and like it was it was really it was crazy and that's when I started winning that's when I started learning like when I would you know go to a different track and you know see what Kevin would do to the cart and uh well shit it might rain you know well if it rains, well, then you got to do this to the cart, and this is why you got to do this, and you know, drop some caster to it. Well, why do you drop caster? Well, you're trying to transfer a week. So, but, you know, I mean, all this stuff is all, I'm not learning at the racetrack. Like, I'm trying to learn this stuff at home, you know, after our first experience. So it's all, like, it was, I felt like everything in my whole career was, like I learned everything from go karts. Uh, at the end of the day, I mean, obviously we didn't have a whole lot of bump steer in the go karts, but uh, I mean weight transfer, uh, everything you learn from a go kart and then translate it to a bigger scale is how I've always kind of felt about it. Gotcha. gotcha. Um, just and out of curiosity, you were earlier you kind of alluded to the fact that. Kevin broke down, kind of like visualizing, you know, as you walk out on the track, and, you know, visualizing, kind of getting that in your mind and things like that. Was that something that also carried over to, like, once you did get into the, the dirt modifieds and stuff? I mean, did you did you go out on the track? I mean, rather, not that you had to walk it, but you got there on a four-wheel or something and just kind of visualize and really try to pick out everything uh, similar to you did in road course racing and stuff? Is that Did that translate, or how did that differ at all? Or, I mean, did you it, even do it? I yeah, I mean, I I was I always tried to watch the track, and, you know, that was that was probably one of the biggest things that I, I'm going to say that I struggled with, like, with the stock car deal. But, like, I learned it, you know, rate, racing mod lights from Al White, you know, he He's like, when you pull that car in the pits, you got to watch the racetrack. And when that racetrack changes, you change your race car. And that's kind of, I mean, I knew that, but I didn't, I felt like if I wasn't working on my race car or 
thinking about something that could improve my race car, then it like it wasn't something really worth doing. Uh, granted, there was nights, you know, we seen dust flying, like, ah, yeah, we got to tighten her up. Um, there wasn't, when I got to, when I got out of go-karts, there wasn't, I mean, there was people that helped me with stuff, but there wasn't really anybody that took me around the racetrack and said, this is, you know, what you got to do here. There was people that would talk about it and say, you got to pitch the car this way, you got to drag the brake. Well, actually, nobody ever said drag the brake. That's just a gold cup thing, and I happened to do it all my career. Uh, but it... Like Jamie Mills, he helped me a lot. He never once walked me around the racetrack. And that's not a fault. You know, it's not his job to walk me around the racetrack. Like Kevin did it because he wanted to teach somebody. Uh, and that was really like that was cool as shit because I learned everything. Uh, you don't learn how to set somebody up, you know, without you can't follow somebody to set them up is how it was kind of talked to me or that's how I took it was if you're going to follow somebody you know you better be happy following them you better swing wide and catch a run or do something to set your corner up better to be going faster through the next corner so that, it was always like don't Concentrate, say, on the driving, you know, do more thinking than, say, concentrating. And that was kind of what really took it to the next level was when you start thinking about, you know, how you're going to set somebody up. Yeah. But you can't set somebody up if your cart's garbage. You know, so you got to have a good cart. You got to have a fast cart. You got to have a motor that's pulling. You know, everything's got to be right before you get to that point. But, you know, then once that got to that point, well, then I had. Yeah, Chip, Kevin. Uh, at that point, we were racing online. We had Hig, uh, Brandon McGee's on there racing online. So it was like, you know, you go racing, and then you come home, race online, and you just got a, it's like you look outside, and you just got a street full of ballers. Like, they're ready to take you to school on the basketball court. Well, they're waiting for you on the racing online. And so you just go, you know, digging on that. So, like, I mean, when you race against people and learn from them and then eventually, you know, say really understand it, it kind of takes you to the next level. And that, I mean, that's really, that's what, what it is. You, know, you put your time in, you learn from the right people, and then you get ready to go drag somebody. Yeah, I mean, that's all you can do, you know? I mean, I mean really that is. I mean, a lot of people look for shortcuts, but I... I haven't found them, you know, I mean, it's... Hard work. It is. A lot of hard work. It is. A lot of time put in. Uh, so, all right, so let, I just want to get back to, to go-karting for a second on, um... I just want to finish off that 2001 season real quick, though. I... So you ran the first couple races, um, you know, you did good there, you won them. So, you, so eventually you ended up, that was the, that was your first national championship and that was on the gold cup series. And so that's 2001. Uh, after that, when, when did you get back into 
the dirt go karting. Was that two? I and I asked you because I thought it was two thousand two uh, when we I, raced. I think I that's ran the the state series in O two. That was in Alan Ford's cart. But I, man, I'm not a hundred percent positive. But I know we. I mean, we ran some Friday night races before we started running the state series. So I feel like that would have, you know, probably been two thousand one uh, that we did a little Friday night racing. And then, uh, I think, I want to say it was 2002, kind of when we hopped on Allen's cart and started doing the, the state race deal. Uh, and that was, at that time, that was just from, say, being around Kevin. Uh, at that time, Huffy was coming back up from Texas. Uh, you know, so just being around those guys, uh, I believe Allen was running Kevin's motors at that time. So it was like, you know, I run road course and Alan said something to me about running on a Friday night. Well, you know, we end up we run good. I I think we won. And you know it it started a little bit of stuff. Um but at the same time like it really in my eyes it started a whole new learning curve. Um because it was it was a different world, you know, you were working on tires, uh, track might change, you're going to run a Friday night and only need 53% left side, uh, I remember as clear as day, we showed up to the very first state race, uh, 2002, uh, qualified seventh, I think we were off at least a couple tenths, and it was, Alan, at that time, yeah, I mean, he obviously knew the Mowbray boys somehow, uh, went and talked to them. I was like, man, can you look at this cart and see what we need to do? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, we added some left side to the cart, and it took off. Like, there, I didn't drive the cart no different. Like, I didn't do anything different. We didn't bolt a fresh set of tires or, a, you know, good motor on or nothing. Like, we added a left side percentage to the cart. And it took off, and it was like, whoa, like, I, even still looking back, like, I can't believe it, like, I feel like, like, it was just like a whirlwind, like, you can't be serious right now, like, this, it, it just didn't make sense to me, um, but it was, yeah, that thing was light and fast, um, so we, we had fun, man, it was, that was cool, I was, running road course, would come back, run Alan's cart. Alan's cart was fast. Like, everything was fast. So, like, everybody's having fun when you're fast. Like, I ain't never seen somebody pissed off when you're fast. No. So, that, that was cool. All the rides are shorter back home and stuff like that when you're running good. And uh, so, I'm, I'm actually, we're sitting here, got a couple of pictures we're looking at, and I'm looking at some of your old, your, uh, your Gold Cup stuff here, and your number 38. What, uh... Just because I know Kevin had a little story how he got started, so it's something I'm going to start asking people. Um, how how did 38 come about for you? Man, I'm I'm pretty sure I'd have to go back digging through some pictures and stuff, but I'm pretty sure we were number eight, and that's like what we ran, and we had run it at like Chestertown the year before, and we at that time I think you had to take the white number panel down to the gold cup 
Well, then, like, you know, you put your number on, whatever. Uh, we got down there, and somebody's already number eight. So, like, all right, we got to do something. Well, you know, eight's Dale Jr.'s number, so you might as well throw Dale Sr. in there. So we went in 38. Uh, at the same time, 38 was a cool-ass number because old KPR, the Kenny Pettyjohn, uh, the 38 special. I mean, that Every, anybody from Delaware, Maryland, like, you knew who Kenny Pettyjohn was. So, that, like, the number just kind of went with it. I thought it was cool. Um, it had the Earnhardt's in it. That was cool. Um, everything was cool about it. And the first time we ran it, yeah, we won with it. So, it was real damn cool after that. Like, I thought that was real cool. Yeah, even better. That's cool, man. I was just, just kind of curious what a cool little story behind that. And... So we get back to racing. So at in two thousand two, you're running Gold Cup and dirt racing. So you're, I mean, you're racing probably just about every weekend, or at least you know, good three, you know, three times a month or whatever. At that time, were you? So you were still running the Gold Cup series. Did you, I'm assuming you won a national championship that year as well. Yeah, actually, two thousand two was our. That was probably the year I'm most proud of because we won. I believe we won super heavy. Um, but we also ran limited and it was at that time, there wasn't a whole lot of people that run limited, but the people that run limited were, you know, good people. Uh, they had what was, some people said it was the best limiteds in the country. Um, so it was more like a, there's only so many of them, but we're going to go run that because that's something we can go run this day. We can go run this cart the other day. Yeah, let's run limited. Let's run super heavy. And at the end of the day, we ended up winning the national championship in both of them, which was cool. Um, that year, we actually, I believe it was the last Milford Street race. Um, we ran uh, limited there. And that was that was when they moved the track back in town. Like, I, did you run the street race ever? I, I never ran it. I know. I always saw pictures and yeah. stuff like that. I, how did that all come about? I mean, you... Man, that was all, uh, that was Bruce and Susan. Um, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I was young at the time, but I'm pretty sure that was all Bruce and Susan Walls. Um, great people, by the way. I don't know how much uh, recognition they're getting nowadays in karting, but they were honestly... In my opinion, they're, they were the ones that painted the picture of WKA. And there was a lot of damn people that thought WKA was, you know, the top dog for a while. And it was because Bruce and Susan were out there grinding, taking pictures, writing stories. Um, like, And we got, we were lucky because we got to see them at Del Mar in the back of the van and like, in my opinion, there was nothing cooler than walking past old Bruce. And, you know, Susan, she was never mad. She might be mad at Bruce, but she wasn't mad at me. Uh, but, man, that, like, I always thought that that was cool. And they they were the ones that, like, made the Nationals, like, seem so damn cool. And, like, in, in my opinion, everything's cool when, when your role model's doing it and uh, they do good at it. And it might not be as cool when you do it, but like Bruce and Susan, 
I, I really don't think they ever got the recognition they deserved because it was, they literally would make everything happen with the street race. They would go to national events, go to regional events, go everywhere, take pictures, write articles. You know, it was all about promoting somebody, uh, helping somebody out. Uh, so there's a, a lot of stuff that they might not have got, you know, thanks for that I think they probably are well deserved of. Uh, I ain't quite sure how we got here, but God damn it, we we give old Bruce and Susan a good thumbs up. Yeah, hey, they have. We we've actually we were talking about it uh, on the last podcast where, uh, and actually Rodney Childers he he tweeted something about oh, saying yeah. hi to Kevin, and uh, I thought that was pretty cool. But there's a there's a photo that I think that Bruce and Susan always carried around with them. It was a, I mean it was a big ass photo like two foot by three foot probably but it was Ronnie Childers yep he was flipping upside down in a champ buggy and I think in the background I think it was Mark McFarland going by him yeah and uh just two really good I mean regardless of what they're doing now I mean they were drivers back then that 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 right there I mean that in my opinion if you race WKA like you've seen that you know Bruce and Susan they they obviously took that picture but you know they uh they were super good people to know. They were the best people to work with, and uh, they probably never got the thanks that they were deserved. So yeah. they definitely deserved every bit of it. I'm sure. I'm sure. We were, you know, we've been kind of lucky to grow up in this area. I mean, um, super lucky. You know, I mean, I like I know just well, I grew up right outside of you know Robinson Speed Shop, and then with Kevin being there. I mean, we've had like a lot of top, a top people in oh, all yeah. aspects of the sport. I mean, whether it be motors or drivers or or whatever, and uh, we've been kind of lucky for this area, like on our little peninsula, you know, we've had good people kind of flow through here. And oh, yeah. You had you had Robinson down here closer to your way, but, like, you know, my way was the old Bayshore Cart Center. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy, like, all the stuff, like, I mean, you got the Bunnings, the Millses, the Coverdales, like, then you got Bayshore Cart Center, oh, Bobby Wilkins, uh, I mean, there's Walt Breeding. I mean, how many racing people are you going to try to dig out of Milford? Like it, I mean, really, in my opinion, Ray Charles could see enough to be smart in racing like in Milford. I mean, there's smart people everywhere. So, like, you're just around it. If you're around it, you're going to learn it. And that was how it was. Like, it was super cool people like you can't looking back like old walter he done passed away i mean you can't take back old walt like he's walt's a special dude another person i wish he'd just sit around and talk a good drink with maybe pour a little vodka and cranberry drink you might want one more than the other but it's uh there's so many good people from Milford. Like, you know, you, you, you seen Ronnie, obviously I seen Ronnie, uh, you know, we, we all seen good people, but man, it was between stock cars, go-karts, like there's a lot of talent that's flowed through Milford. So it was like, you know, you can't help but just watch it and see it and learn from it. And hopefully maybe, uh, at that time, I never thought that I would ever drive, you know, something to like, right you know say win a championship but it was just like it was the coolest thing just to be around the stuff or you know experience to know that 
Yeah, we rode over to Potomac with Greg Coverdale, and, you know. <clears throat> he drug them around the top and banged the cushion all night, and we drove back to Milford, Delaware, and, you know, brought the money back. And, like, that was cool. Uh, so just seeing that stuff and seeing how, you know, somebody probably's got more money. They probably got more tires sitting in a trailer. Uh, somebody's more than likely got a little bit more motor. They might have a lot, but we'll just say a little because that's what you're hoping. Um, but you you just go with what you got and you go with what you know and you roll the dice and you know, that one someday the dice are going to roll your way. And it, that was kind of the cool thing of like seeing all the people in Milford race and then me finally be able to get to that point and turn the corner, I guess. Yeah, well, and that's, you know, something that's come up in both the, the previous podcast with Richie, myself, and Kevin. We've all, similar stories, I and mean, being at the racetrack and seeing, you know, Ronnie Keys and Ricky Elliott, and, I mean, just, like, everybody, you know, we've all been there, we've all, like, watched it, and uh, and that's one of the reasons, like, I was, I really wanted to get you on here is because, so far, like you're the first person to get on the other side of the fence, and uh, we're gonna take a little break. But when we come back, we're gonna we'll finish up with the go karting, and then we're gonna start to explore the uh, the journey outside of go kart racing. So we'll be right back. All right, we're back here after a little break. Um, we're gonna go ahead and touch base on a couple more go karting things that uh, a few messages that were sent to me and off. Off video, I, I brought them both up, the uh, 2 minutes and 12 seconds and the 3 hours of Charlotte, and I didn't realize that it's actually the same story. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and get Jester to start on this, and Kevin Colburn's also over here in the background uh, sipping on a bottle or two, maybe <laughs> over there. So he may chime in on this, but what's this this story about a motor change in 2 minutes and the 3 hours of Charlotte? Tell me a little bit about this. Oh, uh, yeah. So... They uh, they had a they had a deal where well the the Briggs and Stratton three hundred was always like that was the big daddy like if you could win that you know you were the man like everybody knew about it so while everybody was down there you know WKA might as well have the road course people show up have a little you know gold cup asphalt oval little combo make more money off of it so. They have a three-hour go-kart race, a road course race, and then a 300-lap asphalt oval race. Well, they, I believe they paid a little bit extra if you won both or you know the best finishing out of both or whatever it was. They paid a little bit more. So, uh, you know, we they set up to kind of build a team to, you know, go do it. And there's probably more details that I don't know than I do know um, but we ran we ran the 300 with Jace Reynolds cart uh, he pretty much if I remember right he had everything ready for that deal our job was to have the road course cart ready uh, three hour anything with a three hour operation was ours so yeah I remember riding in town like leaving kevin's motor shop at the time riding in town get lunch and just talking about how you're gonna save 
fuel and how you're gonna save alcohol. You gotta make the gas tank last as long as you could possibly make it last. So, you know, how do you gear the car? How do you do the jet? You know, how do you do everything? Just trying to like, he was out loud trying to, I guess, I think, make us feel involved when really he was talking to himself because we didn't know a goddamn thing. So, I think the moral of the story was we ain't gonna lug her, we're gonna turn her and we're gonna build us a you know, bulletproof motor that's gonna go the distance. We're gonna do it. And we should have a pretty good shot, you know, because we've all, Jace at that time was, you know, in my opinion, there was a couple people you could put up and Jace was going to be right there to fight with the, the best of them. He was a fighter, and that's you know that was our team. So we had a good shot at winning it, and uh, we ended up uh, set. Did we set on the pole, Kevin? I believe we did. I think so. I think we set on the pole. Uh, the story's correct here. <laughs> <laughs> you probably uh, knew more than I did. We're, we're, we're drinking a lot of beer, having fun here tonight, so... Uh, I'm going to take over real quick what I remember of it. So we, <laughs> I believe we sat on the pole, uh, you and Jace. Um, again, this is a, this is a, like a road course three-hour event and uh, paid money. It was, a, it was a big deal for the road racers. A lot of the dirt oval guys and, and, and asphalt oval guys were participating. And uh, so we were we were fast and that was a plus and... So we got the pole and the race got started. It's a long race, so we're trying to pace ourselves. And, and somewhere about, I don't know, 20 laps in, our little bulletproof motor, it blew up. But it happened to blow up. It was right, right at, at the entrance. Right, right at the first <laughs> She so, started getting old Hucklebuck. Yeah. Uh, so she, she, yeah, she let go. and But, you know, your dad's always ready for everything. I mm -hmm. mean, he, he stays ready. What's, what's Snoop Dogg say? If you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. <laughs> mm -hmm. So... It was ready. <laughs> Terry's got a, a motor on the mount. He's got a clutch on it. I mean, we're we're ready to go. The motor blows up. We pull in, put the card on the stand. We swap this motor out, and I mean, I don't know if two two minutes and twelve seconds was timed, but it was pretty damn fast. That's what I heard on the internet, so it's got to <laughs> oh, be oh, true. Yeah. If it's on Facebook, it's got to be right. I'm but, I'm here to tell you, Tony Cirillo was standing <laughs> in the background. I'd like to talk was, to Tony yeah. about that because he he it, had a good bird's eye view for that. And for the real people, if you look at that picture, check out the axle sticking out on the left side. Yep, the I drove that thing in the car or into the pits with a blown up motor and was too focused on realizing that the motor was blown up and the car that got tight and the right handers. Well, it got tight because the left rear tire slid in, was rubbing the frame rail. But I didn't realize that because you know, we were trying to change the motor. So Jace went out and you know, ran more laps. But we'll let Kevin continue on. Yeah, well, we, we, uh, we had, like I say, it's a long race, so we had plenty of time to dial her back in. But um, we ended up going, we did the motor swap, and by the time we got back up to speed and, and got through some rounds of, of, you know, getting the tire moved back out and got going again, we were six laps down in this race. But we were quick, you know, the guys were doing their job and everything was running. So we we ended up coming back. We actually drove back to the lead lap. And yeah, our good buddy uh, Alan Whiting and, and Garland were, were leading the race and, and they were they were fast too, don't get me wrong, but 
Um, yeah, was we're like, telling our story here, right? <laughs> I mean, that was, that, yeah. I mean, that was they were the like, best of the best. I mean, Bunky, like he's your boy, yeah. our boy. I mean, he was our boy. Oh, yeah. But at so, that day, we were going against him. Yeah, it was, was kind of how it was. It was, it was, was a weird day, GRE, yeah, RIP. But we we got back on the lead lap, and it was towards the end of the race, and we couldn't believe it because we were just clicking off good laps. And I want to say that I think Bunky's throttle came off there, there was right something. The there was something at the end. It, it was it kinda it, it closed that gap up. But we we finished like on the same straightaway as them. It we it almost looked like we were had a shot to win it. And but yeah, it was it was a good it was good for us. I mean a lot of people have recognized us for changing this motor out so fast and it's it's been said over the years, you know. It's probably been exaggerated like a lot of stuff gets. All but. good stories are. Oh, I you got you got fluff a good story. The up a bad bit. thing is, I've never heard a whole lot of stories about that deal. Like, I mean, and the God's honest truth was, we were, we were prepared. Yeah. You know, my dad, anybody that's ever seen my dad knows that he's got a tool cart. The tool cart's got everything that you know you and Uncle Chester yeah. might need from here to Christmas. <laughs> you know what I mean? Might need a in a one and an eighth inch wrench for something. Yeah. Um, that, but that day we were ready and we had Huffy there, Kevin there. I mean, there was literally in my mind and probably everybody's mind, there was no reason that we shouldn't have won it. We all, that's like, we felt like we had the perfect combination and we came up just a little bit, but like the cool thing was, was that, you know, Bunky, yeah, Bunky was always, you know, he had all him and his dad had always been super tight to Kevin Garland, you know, one of your super good, tight good buddies. Friends, rival. He, he yep. loved fucking Garland. Yep, love them all. Love rat power. Love yeah, them. I mean it. It's it was a good story. At the end of somebody the finished first and somebody finished second, but I mean I'm to this day still proud that we got the second place. We should never trophy. Yeah, I mean I'm still proud that we got. I got it in my house. Like yeah. that, pretty cool. Yeah, that's, I had a good time. I'll little, never forget it. That's our little story on that. But. Yeah, no, that's, that's cool, man. I mean, a lot of times, you know, the best stories come from not winning the race. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you're being honest with it, I mean, it might not be the biggest stories that people remember, but it might be the biggest story that you remember. And I just kind of out of curiosity, man, with your, you think your dad's so prepared? And you've kind of alluded to that a couple of times. Like, is it because he's a firefighter? I mean, is he just like he thinks ahead about stuff, or is he just that's the way he's built? And man, he's I have a... just out of curiosity. Hell, I've just as like a shot in the dark. I mean, I I guess it's from you know just say working in the uh, yeah, I don't know the best way to say it. Like a say a manufacturing plant where you have to have a you've got to have a process. Well, then you know the process has got to be followed to a T. Well, for it to be followed to a T, you know, X, Y, and Z has to work to perfection. You know, so, like, everything's planned out. Uh, you know, I remember as a kid, he would, he had graph paper, and he would, you know, when we raced uh, asphalt ovals, uh, I'm pretty sure it was Harold Wiggins and, I don't know if it was Jason Petty's dad, granddad, somebody, you know, had this badass scraper, and, uh, yeah, he seen that thing, and it was, like, no time, like, he was probably designing it in his head on the way home from the National, I don't know, but, like, it wasn't long, and we had some of them, 
And, like, you know, they ended up, they were, everybody thought those things were cool as shit. Um, so it was just, like, I think he had a knack for, like, seeing something, um, putting it on paper, and then also, like, seeing it through, which, right. you know, takes a little bit. You know, you got to have the resources to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, the thoughtfulness to be able to, you know, say, execute your plan. Um, and then go forward. So it was, that was kind of like the first time, you know, seeing him come out with a plan, execute it, you know, bring something home, say, this is it. This is, you know, what you've seen on paper. Mm-hmm. You know, that, I thought that was pretty cool. And that's, I mean, to be honest, that's where kind of my mind's always at. If I always felt like there was something that, in a race car or whatever that would like help something or take a bind out of something like I I had an idea of it and then would kind of I mean then figure out how you could build something or get somebody to build something so that you could buy it, uh, one or the other but it was kind of just learning like the ins and outs and seeing stuff from start to finish and I mean, looking back, that's what I took in college was design engineering to, like, you know, drawing on AutoCAD, you know, not just drawing on graph paper, but, you know, doing the full deal and got, you know, to the nearest thousands and, you know, taking everything to the absolute, you know, say, as tightest tolerance you could do. And, like, that's what I always thought was cool was knowing that stuff and learning, you know, not that you knew what, Ackerman was, but mm-hmm. you learned what it was, you know, and nobody ever, like, knows what stuff is straight up, like, you gotta learn it, and then you gotta apply it, and then somewhere way down the line, you're gonna realize that it helped you, but you're probably gonna, like, that success is gonna be way gone before you ever realize that it helped you, you know, I'm sure you, there's yeah. stuff that you've learned prepping tires and getting tires ready that like you never really thought that you'd go back to but yeah. well i mean and that's and i i was kind of just searching because i mean a lot of and and i'm actually talking about earlier in the conversation you were just some of the things you were saying about reading the track and and some of the ways you were kind of describing things and kind of thinking just your thought process like very similar to mine and like paying attention to details that you generally don't hear other people talk about and things like that and um and like i said i just similarities and I you know we've never really talked before so I I um you know you only know what you see from afar and a lot of people don't think about shit that's, like that and uh and and think that in depth to it and and stuff like that and uh that's just cool to hear man I mean that's I, really I wish where, more people would you know? that's where that really that's where it's at that's where the speed's at you know if you if you spend I've always heard the saying nothing good happens after 12 and yeah, 100% right but there's a whole lot of good that can happen in a race shop after 12 o'clock if you got the right people in there. Uh, and that was always how I, I always felt like I could do my best work when I could like think about it, uh, go over, do something. And like, a, I think you gotta, you have to like know what you're shooting for, but then you gotta be able to like sit down and do it too, you know, and you gotta have the people behind you to, you know, help you do what you got to do and you it's all about you know learning each step and then applying it to the next step that's kind of how i've always thought of it as and uh 
and I'm sure just, you know, as much as it takes on a go-kart, you know, I mean, you can, you can kind of do it with one person throughout the week and stuff, I mean, it's a lot of work, but once you start to kind of move on, it, it kind of increases in both money and, and help and the amount of people and things like that, so, so let's move on from go-kart racing, because like I said, you are the first, first podcast guest we've had that has kind of reached the next level, and, and, uh, you know, in my in my eyes, like when I look back at the people that I not that I don't respect people that haven't won in go karting, but I really have a lot of respect for the people like yourself that they don't just move up. Like they won at what they did. I mean, not that you had to win a national championship, but like you did, you you won on all surfaces. You you know you were you were a competitive racer no matter where you were and what you were doing. You won a lot of races. You moved up. You won. You moved up again. You like you've won at every not just moved up because you had a blank check or something like that but I mean you've you've moved up and you've won at every level like fairly early in your each time you've moved up but let's take it back so where did you go once you moved on from go-kart racing what was the next step for that like for you well I mean first off I appreciate the kind words like that's cool as shit coming from another racer I mean we've all at the end of the day I mean you gotta be say lucky in my opinion you gotta be more lucky than good in the deal um you gotta be associated with the right people um the right people gotta put the right stuff underneath of you and if you're lucky enough to have all those then you know hopefully you're good enough to drive a car to the front or cart or whatever it is and it doesn't matter if you're in go-karts or stock cars or whatever if you, I mean, in my opinion, you got to have the right people working on it because even if you're not the person that's working on it, you got to have the confidence in the person that's working on the car. Um, and that was, it was something that Kevin taught me was like, there's, there's ways that you can do stuff or there's ways that you can, you know, do stuff the best possible way that you could ever imagine doing it. Um, you know, Kevin was the one that he wanted uh, everything cross-hatched, you know, scotch bright. Everything's got to be cross-hatched and it's got to be perfect. Everything wants to be pretty. We're going to be powder-coated everything. And that was like, you know, it kind of, not that it made everything really faster, but it meant something. You know, you put more effort into something, you're going to get more. And that was that was kind of the, the main thing that really, like, took it to the next level because like when I raced go-karts like honestly like I felt like I had a strong cast around me that like you know it could say cover me up you know if I wasn't good enough then Kevin had a motor that was good enough or you know what I mean like it I never thought that it was like oh, I'm the reason that's you know we're winning races like I always thought Kevin built a badass motor uh, and there was a whole lot of people that wasted a lot of money going to other people's motor shops and like I knew that deep down in my heart but I wasn't going to write it on no AOL messenger and like alert anybody you know it was like I know it's a secret and this yeah you know, he builds power and that's it's fun passing people down the straightaway that's cool um, but you learn when you learn that stuff and then you try to apply it to the next level, like, you know, Ron Faison was the one, he bought a Mod Light and asked me to drive it. And, 
you know, all he had ever seen was you know, me race a go-kart from Gold Cup, Asphalt Oval, uh, see me run dirt oval. We had raced together, you know, doing dirt ovals, went down to Bloxham with a Huffy, you know, running just cool races and learning on different type racetracks. Like it was always, we were learning anywhere we went or I was learning. Like we might've been winning, but like at the end of the day, like I thought of it as like, we gotta be winning because of motor like something's got to be really be good because like I've although I've had some success in in a gold cup like I've never really like thought that there was anything special that I was doing to like make the operation go like it was everything was happening because we had a good team so now we got a mod light well unfortunately Kevin Colborn isn't a badass mod light racer builder go faster so it was like yeah damn like this is it like i gotta i gotta figure out how to make this deal go so uh you know ron rented middle ford racetrack and we went down there with mike stratton and mike ran the car to you know run some laps make sure everything felt good and then i got out ran some laps learned how to shift the car and you know real basic stuff from the outside but from inside the cockpit it felt like huge learning curve uh, so it was like you know all right felt a little bit of suspension and you know really all you do is just you know run the shit out of it and you hit the brake turn the car is how i felt it so all right we're gonna get this car ready and go to east bay and so we, you know, at that time, all I knew was go-kart stuff. So you took, you tried to make sure all the bearings were free. Uh, you didn't want nothing bound up. Um, unfortunately, it didn't matter if the seat was bound up in the car. or Maybe it did or maybe it didn't, but we didn't quite worry about that. It was more like the basic stuff. Let's make sure everything rolls super free. Make sure all the hinds work, you know, like... Let's not outsmart herself. So at the same time, Eddie Towers was working at BAC with my dad. And Eddie was pretty sharp with mod lights. So like he knew geometry, building the cars. You know, he was, in my opinion, very, he was sharper than I was sharper on knowing the ins and outs of mod lights. And in my eyes, I respected that. If you could build a car, then, you know, I trusted you to point me in the right direction. So Eddie comes over and he's checking stuff out and he's like, nope, you got to do this. You got to weld this nut on here. That way, if this breaks, you can just pop this bolt in and out and you can not have no problems. You can make it out for the next race. So like, it won't be a problem. Like, damn, like, he's trying to, like, he's thinking about this stuff so that, like, we can fix stuff quicker. And, you know, it was like, you know, there's some thought that's going into this. And, you know, from my eyes, like, I didn't know what. I was just along for the ride. Like, I was the one driving the car, so I was there working on it. But I was working on it by, in the grand scheme of things, not really doing nothing. Just lubing up Heinz, making sure Heinz were free. Uh, Eddie was the brains behind the operation. 
kind of welding this, getting this set, doing this, doing that. So he does his thing. We go to East Bay, and the first night out, we finished second. And it was like, whoa, like, this is crazier than I ever thought the go-kart deal would be. Like, I can't believe that this is where it got to. Like, I still, like, never in one ounce of me thought that, like, I was the one that was, like, doing anything. Like, it, it was just, like, I've always felt like the day that you look up and see what's happening is the day that somebody's going to smack you upside the face and, you know, you got to keep your head down and you gotta work hard. So it was like hard to believe. And, then, you know, everybody's talking around this mod light deal and the second night out, this is all like a three, four night race. The second night out, we end up winning. You know, we got lucky and we won the damn race. So then it's like, this go-kart kid is, you know, did this, did that. And I'm like, man, this is cool. Like, I'm a go-kart guy. That's all I've ever, that's all I ever thought I was going to be. And we're racing mod lights in Florida. And the damn mod light guys are calling me the go-kart guy. And uh, like, we won. And they've done, the guy at East Bay named me the Joker. So I was like, man, you know, I'm zero J, that's my number. And he calls me the Joker. So I'm like, man, that, you know, I thought that was pretty cool. And it literally, like, we left there. And the next night we crashed out and it was back to reality. You know, you're not as good as you thought you were. In my eyes, you're only as good as your last race. So we crashed out. We weren't really all that good. Didn't feel that good at the beginning of the 30 lap or whatever the long race was so it was like all right back to the learning curve like we got to figure out how to go to this next track well the next track we're going to is Hagerstown so you know we try to learn all we can I remember we talked to Ron had talked to Ricky tried to figure out what shocks Ricky thought you know would be the best to go to Hagerstown and we went there and I don't I think we ended up third it was a third second something we were in in the ballpark but we didn't win the race mm -hmm. but that was like that i thought that was like yeah, to just get started that was yeah. cool as shit like we were going to different tracks and learning stuff and like it was like a whole new world so like you know i need to learn about chucks like i don't know nothing about chucks i need to get on the internet and read how rebound you know all right, rebound is how much force it takes to pull the shock up. Compression, like, there wasn't nobody else. Colborne wasn't there no more. And, like, all Ricky could do was tell me a number, and I didn't know why he was saying the number. So it was like, you know, you either buy in and figure out why you're doing something, or you sit back and just go along for the ride. And I thought it was, you know, the right thing to do. Like, I enjoyed the shocks and... Just, I didn't know nothing. Like, I didn't know anything. But it was like, you know, I see a graph and, you know, you look at something long enough, you figure it out. Like, well, there you is. wanted to learn it. Right, I mean... It, you were going to learn it. Right, That's it was thing. something, like, that I felt like that if... I always thought of it as, like, if this guy out here could do it, well, then, you know, the only thing that was setting me back from knowing how to do it was my mind. So it was like, 
you know, get your mind on board and figure it out. And it kind of like went from there. You know, we struggled a lot in the mild light, but I learned a lot. Like I learned a lot about spring splits and, uh, you know, how cars react when you have a stiffer left rear spring on a right rear spring. And like that stuff that like looking back, I, like I thought that was like, this ain't gonna help at all. But you know, it all, it's all helped me get to the point that I ended up with the modified. It, everything teaches you about, you know, you're feeling this spring split and then the left side of this car and the wheelbase of this car, well then this car has this and a uh, limited modified go-kart still the hardest thing to drive in so my true. opinion. Like it, at the end of the day, it was a whole lot to learn, but I still respected the guys that could go do it in a go-kart more than I, like, not more than I thought of the, say, mild lake guys, but I always thought good go-kart guys were, like, guys that could really do it. I was just lucky enough to, like, for the dude to say, hey, you want to go mild lake racing? Yeah, I'll go. And was just lucky enough to, you know, win, finish second, like, mm. do good. And it was, like, it, that's really it. Like, it, I feel like my middle name's Lucky. Yeah. Well, hey, man. Everyone needs a little bit of luck, but you have to put yourself in that position, too. So, so when you made, so you also raced, did you go straight from the Mod Lights up to the Dirt Modifieds? When did you make that next step? Now we actually, we ran the Mod Light, um, ran, I guess, about a, we ran from the beginning of the year till the middle of the year, so half a year. And then uh, Ron went and bought an asphalt late model, big spring asphalt late model car. And that was like a whole new world. It was like, hey, we're going asphalt late model racing. Yeah, it was just, it like blew my mind um, that that he would do that uh, and looking back like it was smart he had CJ coming up and, like he could feel the ropes of everything learn everything but at the same time I'm sitting there looking at this car like I don't have a clue what to do to this car like I don't even know what air pressures to put in this car like literally that's how it all started before I scaled the car I called down to North Carolina to Tom Pistone and asked him, said, man, how much air pressure should I be scaling this car with? Like, I don't, don't know where I'm supposed to be setting the car up at, and I don't even know what air pressure's put in them. But I got tires bolted on it, and uh, this is the car we got. Bought it. It's supposed to be uh, in, from you at some point. So he says, do this, this, and pretty much air pressures to run and that was it and we went to Old Dominion and kind of ran asphalt late models when we showed up like we didn't even know how to get tires for the deal you had to go in a trailer and pick out tires and when we happened to be in the trailer picking out tires like you know obviously racing people are always there's certain people that are always there to help you so we had 
helpful people in there that were like, well, you need these for your right sides and you need these. So it, in the grand scheme of things, it put me right back to reality. Like I felt like I was right back to square one. My first day at go-kart racing was like, I have zero clue about anything. Like, and it really, it's a helpless feeling. But at the same time, it was like the hell if I'm just going to stand back and, you know, say i don't know like we're gonna swing for the fences and just think we can do something so we ended up ran some races with that car with ron's car and then uh, got hooked up with uh sam Beatty. did some racing with him and sam he was respected um mark mcfarlane had drove his car for a while uh, dealt with uh philip morris who's won countless national championships in the asphalt eight models dealt with him closely so like it was it was a good opportunity where we were at was yeah. perfect like i can i can dig this like i can learn and it just it didn't last long enough to where i could you know build the relationships to keep them going once it fell apart mm -hmm. so like it all fell apart after a couple races and you know we were you know, say back to trying to figure out, you know, are we going to go racing or are we going to, you know, move on with life or, you know, what are we quite going to do? And that's, uh, that's when my dad came up with the idea of trying to find a crate modified around the area and, uh, running the new AC Delco class at Del Mar, which, you know, sounded pretty cool to me. I mean, we weren't doing nothing else. Right. Might as well, uh, run some dirt modified like and that was i thought that was cool as shit because i had seen bobby wilkins ricky elliott seen all these people just digging modifieds over the years so it was like you know this is this is cool i get to feel something else so we went and looked at this car or terry cheney's and we didn't know nothing like absolutely anything so chris hill holly hill farms it's kind of been with me in my modified days ever since it started uh he came and looked at it looked at the car you know told us what he thought which was obviously good enough to buy it because uh, we bought it program <laughs> and um i mean we at that time it was a new race car so what else do you do make sure all the ride ends are free the bearings roll way freer than what they were you know when you bought the car um you know you did anything you could do to make it roll free in a straight line like that was all you ever knew go-kart make it roll free so we did that stuff um chris helped us scale it out and we went racing with the crate car and uh, shit i think we had carburetor problems Colborn, you were, you popped in a couple of races there. Yeah, we you had seen. we had a few problems getting started. But <laughs> Sometimes they had to pull choke. So. It was, it wasn't long though. I mean, with the old car, I think the thing had a W link. I mean, it was it was old technology, but it, it wasn't long. I mean, I I want to say once we got the right car, seventh race, and you learned how the, to drive, and we got the right torsion bars in here and yeah, the right carburetor. Yeah, on. I mean, once we got acclimated with how this shit works, you know, we were. I mean, I think you pulled. A win out like your seventh, sixth, seventh race or something like that. Is yeah, that right? I don't. I I do know that 
once we got it right, and there was a lot of hard nights in that song. Like, yeah, there, was, there was many nights was like, man, time. what in the hell is going on here? There was some uh, downtime, but it didn't take long now. I mean, and, I mean, yeah, once thing. once we got it right, I think it was like the 1st of September or so, we finally got one. And then once we got one, it was on to the next one. Yeah. And then I'd done one a couple, and that was, uh, and that, I remember clear as day, old Chip, he told me, he was like, Ah, you got this champ show coming up, boy. If you don't win this champ show, you ain't shit. And yeah, you better if you thinking about getting a big block ride, you better win this champ show. So, so I mean, as bad as it is to say, it was the worst bit of like driving. I literally tore Bobby Watkins' back bumper off, and he just did buy my last modified. So like, this is kind of bad to talk about <laughs> but all i could hear was chip's nasty ass attitude you better win this goddamn right <laughs> yeah if you want a big block right you're gonna win it right and i man i wore his back bumper out and we man we duked it out cold when we dig her out was <laughs> like i can't believe you did it but, i mean it was wild but at the end of the day Old Rick Bishop called me over that winter and was like, look, if uh, if you help me out with my son getting into go-kart racing, I've got a big block car here and uh, I'll hook you up with the ride and the people that own the motor. And So it was just like the next whirlwind was, well, first off was like, holy shit, Chip Dishroon was 100% right. Like that was it blew my mind. It was like I can't believe Chip called this. Uh, and then the second thing was like, you know, who wouldn't turn this down? You know, you got guys offering you a big block modified ride to help him with a go kart. And I mean, I I guess I still knew some stuff about go kart, but it was more just like principle. It wasn't like right. what you knew. I mean, you knew the in depth stuff of right. what to do. Uh, I just knew the principle of how to get there. Uh, so, I mean, it it literally, like, it was just being in the right place at the right time. And, I mean, Rick Bishop had won a modified championship, at, a big block modified championship at Del Mar. I believe one or two. I'm not positive which. But either way, like, he had the confidence to give me a big block ready car and let me do it so it was like you know take a step back and be like holy cow like i totally cannot believe that this is happening did like it, it was unreal i did, couldn't believe it didn't he ever tell you why i mean was it i mean was I, that it i mean basically i just, guess he really wanted just, me to help him with his kid like i, I mean, mean i had i had truly like so it just there was yeah know, i mean i helped he him for someone i helped him yeah. Kind of get his go-kart deal together, uh, which really didn't take a whole lot um, mm -hmm. because you know, Kevin was, say, the go-kart guy. Uh, mm -hmm. So I hooked him up with Kevin and, like, it, how how it all happened, it, like, it, it's unreal. Like, how, first off, we, I mean, went from not winning to winning and then from, say, doing starting to go down this way to coming back to the creek car and 
taking Chip Disherin's advice, and next thing they're in a big block, and yeah. so then, then there we are. So it's like, what do we do now? Like, got to learn this deal. Got to learn horsepower. Right. So that's the funny thing is it all. I mean, how I'm looking at it, you know what I mean, from a different perspective, is it all comes back to carding because you have a dad there that has a kid, and you know you're. You already know a little bit, but you're gonna it'll grow. You know what I mean? Like with your kid, that you're gonna do anything for them, and probably maybe maybe in his mind, I'm you know hypothetical. Maybe he knew he was gonna have to find someone to drive it. So, who could benefit him the most? Like he saw you run up front, like he's gonna get a good driver, and he's gonna provide his kid the best opportunity that he can at the time to do well. You know what I mean? So like That's what it's all for about, him, though. it was a really good deal. Yeah. For you, it was a re- it sounds like a really good deal. And yeah. I, so that's awesome how, like, you know, in my mind, like, it all really tied back to karting and, uh, you know, to get it's really your big opportunity. It's really dream come true, I mean, yeah, and, uh, to be honest. And that's all. And it's, I mean, you earned it. Like, you you put the time in to get the skills needed to be able to have that as part of the deal for you to get that, man. And, uh, like, that's the hard work you put in. And you might call it luck, but it, you know, like, it's you, you earned that luck. And you, put, you put yourself like, in that position. Then. I mean, don't, it, don't sell yourself short on that. It was, it was really cool just to, like, I don't know, just be in that position. Because, like, all I felt like, I mean, you just hear about those stories. And then... Then you got your own. Yeah, it's like, damn. You know, we got this big block, like, man, I don't even know how to adjust the valve lash. I don't even... Timing? You know, what are we going to time? You know, are are we timing these bird cages? No, you got to set the timing on the motor. Um, Colborne does that. You know, we don't... Well, Colborn ain't around a whole lot no more. He ain't checking the timing on these V8s. So it's like everything was like the next step. And at the end of the day, there wasn't... I had to learn the shit was how it was. was and I felt like if I didn't learn the stuff, that it would just delay me having to, say, figure it out. Like it would, somebody else would have to learn it and they'd have to like explain it to me, teach it to me. So it was best off me learning and just, I felt like that's the way it was. Unless like, unless I had say somebody that had done it, like Colborne that had run all these road course races that, you know, felt this stuff and did this stuff. And, you know, there's a couple people that had helped get you close to that area, but you know, there's nobody, like, still that got me that close to the sweet spot. You know, at after that point, it was up to me to figure out how I'm going to make it work. You know, do I need a 200 right front spring or 165 or 175 or rebound, compression? You know, call here, call there, talk to this guy, talk to that guy. I didn't really like talking on the phone. I like working on the car. That was my deal. Like, I didn't like, I feel like that's how I've, I've never been one to, like, talk on the phone a whole lot. Like, I'd rather work on the car in peace and quiet, listen to some rap music, um, don't want a whole lot of people talking. The more people talking, there's more distraction. Um, The more you talk, man, the more similarities I see between us. (laughs) I mean, that's just the blunt way that I've always thought, and a lot of times I've apparently come across wrong to people but like it at the end of the day man it's like there's a right way and a wrong way to do it and at the time like it was like I felt like if I'm gonna put as much 
time and then emotion into this deal is what I'm putting into it, then like I want everybody else to take you know put that much excitement into it and feel all that and know that you know there's that much going into it and it's a a team I guess a team effort to make it all happen is how it all works on the stock car level. Yeah, a lot of work. <laughs> More work than I got. That. I got to work with them this last year, <laughs> and we—I mean, we had a good time. I didn't know there were so many parts and pieces and, and stuff that had to. It's too many it's parts just, and pieces. Yeah, it's 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 old technology, but it's new technology, and you got to stay with it. And it sounds, you know, I'm I'm just a I'm just listening to all this tonight and taking it all in. We're having a good time. This is kind of like a hangout night, talk, well, talk about racing and reminiscing on some old stuff here. But yeah, it sounds. I mean, listening to some of these stories I've never heard before. I mean, it's neat and it's. I mean, it sounds. I mean, I'd say you know I know what hand I had in Matt's go karting career and stuff and. It's kind of neat to hear him, you know, talk about phasing and how phasing helped him get started. And, he definitely know, did a lot. Wish, wish him the best. And yeah, he's he's a good guy, and and I know he's going through some stuff right now. And and uh, like Matt's, you know, had spoke before, he he owes a lot to him. And he's definitely done a lot for not just me. Uh, obviously, CJ, you know, he's raced quite a bit. Um, Ron's been a lot, been around the racing a lot he's raced modifieds back in the day so it's ron if you're out there listening buddy i appreciate everything you did sorry that you're going through what you're going through keep fighting uh, hope you beat it your racing family's thinking of you you know it's it's what we're all here for at the end of the day everybody fights something just hopefully it ain't from tire prep or brake cleaner or something like that because we've all wiped some tire prep on some tires, huh? We've all done it all, that's for sure. Old Ron loves some huggies. Yeah. Huh? He wanted them softer and softer would get to them. <laughs> like they can't get that soft. They're going to fade before qualifying start. He's a good man. My my involvement with Matt has been, it, it, it dates back to, shit. I mean, like I say, I saw him run his first race. You know, fun cart with a cage on it, little little teeny guy just out there. I knew, kind of knew that he wasn't eight years old, and it was, <laughs> I was just like, you know, taking it all in and just well, watching him, you know, do what he's done over the years. And, well, and, and we, and I can't, you know, we've we've run up and down these roads and and stuff we talked about, when, you know, before, but uh, you know, his dad was always prepared and. You know, and and his dad. You know, we always had a good time, and he and Terry. He's he's the first guy to tell you. You know, he <laughs> this stuff's got to be right. You know, he was he concentrated on having us all the tools we needed. So don't worry about the mule going blind. Yeah. Just load the wagon. <laughs> so he had a lot of good sayings. Mm. <laughs> so how's it been for you and me? Because we're kind of similar situations. Me with. You know, with Brandon and Alex watching them grow up, and you know, one, you know, Brandon getting married and stuff like that, and just I mean, I literally knew this kids when they were like eight years old. I mean, mm -hmm. Yeah, and I you, mean, you've kind of the same way with Matt. You know, you've watched him grow up. You've you know, kind of follow him, like you said, his you know, his last year in racing. I mean, last year, 
I mean, you were there helping them and stuff like that since yes. you were kind of over in the Delaware area. Like, how's that been as far as that goes, you know? I mean, for me, I've always been rewarded, you know, working with these kids and watching them grow up. And, and you know, I'll, and I'll speak for Matt, but, you know, he's, he was he was a young guy, and what guidance and, and what help I could give him was great. You know, he may have been my fan back then, but then he ended up being, you know, my hero in the end. You know, winning these yeah. stock car races and, and track championships. Yeah, he had way cooler t-shirts too, by the way. Yeah, I, you know. <laughs> but yeah, he's, you know, just watching watching a kid that you worked with, you know, turn into a, a stock car driver and, a, and and just go all the way with it. It's 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 been rewarding for me. Yeah, to say the least. That's good. So his last year racing modifieds, where did he run mostly? They got teamed up with Bobby Wilkins and Bell and um just ran, you know, Georgetown, Delmar and and like I say, I mean we had some decent runs here and there, but you know, we just didn't get it all together. But it, we had a good time and it's for me it was we it got us all back together. I mean, all of us guys had a good time. With the old gangs back oh, together. Oh yeah, we yeah. were we were scraping mud, cleaning and cars, and setting cars up, and doing this and that. And had many good stories. Yeah, it's a good story. <laughs> but it, for me, it was. We got us one win that it, night. It was, we won the first night out. Yeah, but it was rewarding. I wish we would won more. I wanted to win one in Bob and Bo's car. That yeah. would have been cool. Bob's been around for it's, a while. It's been a long journey though, from the go karts all the way through the stock cars and. Yes. I'm just glad that I you know got a chance to see it all. That's awesome, man. And um, as far as Matt, I mean, what? I mean, do you have any advice to someone that you know, like? What avenue would you try to pursue as far as um, like in go karting to try to get to the next level? I mean, <clears throat> do you think it's about getting hooked up with the right people, finding the right sponsor? I mean, a little bit of both. I mean, just kind of like find being in the right place to get those opportunities when they're. I mean, about. really, it's. I mean, you allude to luck a lot. I mean, yeah, I mean, in my in my opinion, I was in the right place at the right time, and you know, half of this deal is that's what it's about. Um, back in the '90s, maybe there was 15 car owners that wanted you to drive their cars, but now there isn't. So you make the best with what you can do as a family operation, and. At some point, you hope to gain traction somewhere else, whether it's go-karts. Uh, but the best thing that you could really do is, uh, if you're around somebody that go-kart races, you need to learn from them. Learn from somebody that wins. And if somebody's winning, then they're doing something right. And you, need, you learn from somebody, and then you apply it. And then at some point, you know, like for me, I had to learn, I mean, there was, I read books about how to drive a stock car, you know, not because like I really like was wondering how you really drove a stock car, but like just in case like it said that you should get in the gas early or, you know, I didn't know what it would say or I didn't know what the hell I was doing. All I really knew was that you just get behind the wheel and go and they'd come in and say you're either going fast or slow and that's how it was and like it literally like you had to learn what to do to make the car go faster in my opinion um you got to have a mechanical engineering background to 
know everything about a race car to go to the highest level. Um, that was, I kind of thought that 10 years ago, and I think it's still pretty apparent today. Mm -hmm. uh, Chris yeah, Gabehart. Educate yourself. Yeah, Chris Gabehart. Um, what's he, Purdue? Uh, I believe, yeah. I yeah. believe he yeah. went to Purdue. Um, engineering in Newman. Uh, I mean, there's, that's where it's at. If you, there was a lot of stuff that like I always thought was like, damn, wonder how this happened. And then when you're in like engineering class or some type of engineering class, and he's like, this formula X plus Y plus Z plus two point four plus do like that's what this is, and you're like, holy shit! Like Einstein's done figured this deal out. Like I'm late to the party. Like I felt that, but. I didn't know that there was a two plus Y Z A, you know, that would figure it out. Like, and that's pretty cool too. You lost me a long time ago. <laughs> like, and like we can go to, like we can figure this out. So then it was like just keep on, keep learning about everything was kind of how it was. Like it, you know, in the asphalt late model deal. Yeah, being around Sam, like he was a old school, grinded out, like hard nose. Um, learn everything you can learn. Uh, Got to know what bump steer is. How many degrees of bump steer is turning out and turning in, and and like I always you know, thought that he was mean, but he wasn't mean. He just wanted to find out whether you were serious enough to learn and you know do stuff, but. You know, going through those experiences was ultimately what, like, drove me to keep learning what there was to learn next. And then, like, once you learn about the car, then you got to learn about the mental side and just basically correlate everything together so that you can keep it all going. Yeah. Keep the car set up right and keep your mind where it should be. I can't disagree with that. <laughs> no, I mean, and, and like I said, there's all kinds of different levels. You know, there's people that just want to get out there and, and be on the big track, and then there are people that, like, want to win, you know, and that want to put the effort in. And, you know, like you were you were kind of alluding to, you know, reading a whole book just to find a couple little golden nuggets in there that might spark something in your brain that you've already <laughs> seen and you can kind of put together. And that's the difference of people that, you know, that succeed not only in racing but in general. You know I mean? I'm sure... One Whatever thing, you do after racing, like it's gonna carry on to that as well. One thing that um, that I always thought was kind of crazy was you know stuff that you think in your mind and you're like, you know, damn, I hope I don't strike out when I go up to bat this time. And you go up there and you strike out. You know, there's stuff psychology shit that tells you what all that stuff means and the end of the day what i figured out was the best place to run a race at del mar was in your head you know if you ran a race in your head three thousand times and you pass them lap cars at 200 mile an hour well then you better know which hell direction you were going to go or you were going to run in the back of you know so you started the race and there was there's probably many conversations that i missed out on like that somebody thought I was digging and that I was really just running a lap at Del Mar, like in my head or, you know, just like I, I had a bad problem 
and still to this day just like fading like I'll fade out on somebody quick and you're just like for me it was like you know you're throttling up and well then you go down to turn one you got a pitcher sideways and you know it's just getting the the wrist working and I mean I'd sit there and just like mentally do it in my head well, hey, you man, gotta I'll, hit the brake can I just get... stop, can I stop you here real quick would you be willing to go through a lap with me? <laughs> like, just seriously, like what you would be thinking, like just kind of what you were saying, but just take us from the beginning, like you're getting ready to, just say you're coming off a of four. Right? What are we racing? Oh, you're racing big block modified. Ah, damn. Or, right. or, uh, or crate, I mean, whatever you feel more comfortable uh, describing. We can race limited. What do you want? Uh, well, limited modified uh, still. Big block modified. Yeah, big, big, big block modified. Let's go with the big block. Oh, All right, so big, big block. block. So big block modified at Del Mar International Speedway, half mile track. You're coming off four. The fans uh, are waving. Yeah. Yeah. We. Right. What's, what's going on? Yeah. You got. There's a. <clears throat> there's a whole lot of stuff that's happening, but. Control. At the end of the day, <laughs> you're trying to hook every bit of throttle that you can hook up. So like. You're driving down the straightaway wide open. Just giving it all you can get. Well, the whole key in modified racing, and, like, Kevin would probably be the best to explain it if he ever got to feel it, was, like, you have to... You're best off starting at the flag stand and just laying the car on the right front. And then figuring out how you can drive that car all the way around the corner on the right front. You have to pin the car on the right front, no matter what you do. Don't you can put front brake, you can put rear brake, you can put no brake. Just put the car on the right front and get it around the corner. So when I first started, you drove the car straight down the straightaway. You've, you're wide open, whap, bop, bop. Just a quick slam of the brake and right back into gas and you're turning the car all at once and just throttling up and hope that traction's there to drive you off. As it all comes to you, it's more about when you drive down the straightaway and you let off the gas, you've got to pitch the car to have the right front down, the left rear up, and be ready to roll back in the gas you know, when the time is right. Either it's somebody drifting up, or it's the right front getting light, you know, whatever you have to do to throttle back up to keep the car turning. You know, anytime you step in the gas, the right front's going down, the left rear's going up. But you can't, sometimes when the track's slick, you can't drive wide open all the way around the track. Like, it's, it just doesn't happen. Not when you got 800 horsepower. So it's, it's a learning curve of, Knowing how to go in, let off, settle the car down on the right front, you know, say, droop it on the right front, and then almost, like, when you're perfect, I mean, you're counter-steering, and you could literally hold the wheel, you know, right in that go-kart position, asphalt, pavement, oval, you know, just right in that position, and just cock it, and just, just sail, uh, it literally, like, a go-kart, a hooked-up, in my opinion, a hooked-up, limited-modified go-kart around the asphalt oval feels very similar to a hooked-up, 
uh, big block modifier. It toss you back to the right side, make your neck hurt, and just hold on. But, like, that was the... Like, that's the rush of just feeling feeling everything, being able to control it all and understand what you're feeling. Uh, go back to the pits and prove what you just felt. Yeah, that was always the hardest thing for me. Like I always felt the on track stuff was the easiest. It's the hardest to like relay what you have to do to be better. You know, can you can you think about what you're doing out there? You know, or you are you caught up in the moment enough to where you're just holding on for dear life and trying to get what you can get. Mm -hmm. Like you gotta be able to slow the race down enough to comprehend, you know, well we gotta pitch the car up more on the left rear, uh, have more side bite, might not hurt, have a little bit more drive off and come into the race we're too free, so we need less stagger. So it's like when you can slow the race down, you can do everything. But the easiest time to slow the race down is on the way home from the races. Mm -hmm. You know, that's when everybody comes up with that. You're like, God damn, we should have done this. You know, you know what's funny? Like, I watch racers talk, and this is way out of context here, but you ever notice how racers are throwing their hands this way and their hands that way? I mean, it's all about, like, if you watch a racer talk, it's it's done with their two hands. Right. Isn't that crazy? It's like, I go this, and I go <laughs> doing that, and your hands are going crazy. It's like, you old it's like you're doing sign, <laughs> sign language or something. It's like racing sign language. language. Yeah, that's funny. That's what I mean. It's funny watching you guys talk about this stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it, it. I mean, really, in the grand scheme of thing, in my total honest opinion, uh, stock car racing isn't very much different than go kart racing. Like, and there will be stock car guys that are like, ah, he's crazy. He's just trying to talk crazy for this podcast. That's my God's honest truth. Fuck them. Like, <laughs> it's my God's honest truth. Like, there ain't nothing special. Like, apply yourself, Smokey. Like, that's all it is. Like, you, if you learn it, you'll figure it out. Like, it ain't... Nobody's better than the next person. Like, you can learn what the next person learned, and you just have to apply yourself to go do it. And that was... Talkers, half of it... Yeah, half of it was like, you know, I ain't gonna let... These people, like, I mean, I heard all kinds of stuff. They're, everybody's got an opinion, and half of the people that want to be your fans are your haters, is a lot of what I learned. So keep your head down, work hard, don't ever let nobody tell you that something's going to be easy, or, you know, if you do it this way, it's going to be easier, like, do what you have to do to make it feasible in your mind. And for me, it took a lot of hard work. And hopefully for other people, it can come a little bit like, easier. And I felt like I had to put a lot of time in in the shop to understand what stuff was so that I was comfortable on adjusting it. Where, in my opinion, a really good race car driver could just hop in something and go and didn't need to know what it was. But... And I guess I wanted to know why it was that way to take it to the next level. Like, I always wanted to know why 
what made us faster and what made us slower. And like it, uh, that was the way I, I always wanted to know what was what. Yes, sir. Man, I don't. That's, that's a pretty good way. Of, that. That's a pretty good way to end it, my man. Like, <laughs> I mean, if, you, if you can't marinate on that for a little while, then there's something wrong with you. Maybe you know. But um, hey, man. getting in Matt's mind, you know, it's just, it's it's pretty neat. Yeah, it, it is. That's why I like it quiet because I can't think when shit's yeah. all hectic. I like, like to get blue quest mine one time too. Yeah, we ain't in that level. Well, hey, we're we're actually we're kind of sitting here talking about maybe um we're gonna we're gonna wrap up Matt's podcast and then we're gonna take a little break, maybe drink a drink or two, and then um we're gonna come back and do something exploratory <laughs> with the OG from Muskogee, Kevin Colborn. Yeah. So, Matt, is there? I guess if anyone wants to get a hold of you as far as on social media and stuff, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Maybe, I know Kevin's had a lot of people contact him, and I'm really hoping anyone that comes on here gets a lot of love and, and stuff like that, because I, you know, I appreciate your time, and I know everyone that listens to this will appreciate your story as well. Man, I'm uh, mostly on Twitter. I was on Facebook, but shit got a little too political. Uh, they done made me sign into my account again and I don't remember the password. So I'm just on Twitter nowadays. You know what I mean? I'm that's uh, I like Twitter man. I don't I don't like the whole political deal. Uh, we gotta get along either way, whether you like Trump or I like Boogalaboo, like it don't matter. We gotta make it work <laughs> at the end of the day. So uh, it I just like I like getting my info. If you need to check me or whatever, I'm on Twitter. Um, or hopefully I'll be at a racetrack this year checking out some racing or something. Yeah. And uh, just sitting, sitting down in that Bobby Wilkins bleacher. Old Bobby Wilkins on. grandstand yeah. getting rowdy. Definitely. So uh, anyway, man, I like you said, I, I certainly do appreciate your time. It was good to catch up with you, kind of get your backstory a little bit. Um, yeah, you know, we've known each other cool. from a distance. You know, I've always had respect for you. Like we've raced against each other. And, yeah. You know, we used to I got, have, I I used got to... two questions for you. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, bring them up, man. Number one, Matt. <sighs> what What was your most memorable go kart experience? And I'll let you marinate on that. And then, what was your most memorable stock car experience? Mm. You know, whether it be championships or a race win or... Yeah. I mean, I know, um, that, I know that's a, a lot for you right I now. I mean, the, <laughs> the go-kart deal, shit, there was a lot. Um, I mean, really, just the first national win. Because, like, yeah, I mean, I hadn't done nothing. Like, I hadn't... I know we had... I hadn't won nowhere. We were celebrating. Oh, yeah. I mean, we had a good time, but, like, that's all... I mean, we were good at having, having a good time. Yeah. And then we went down there and we won a national, and it was... I mean, I guess you could say it got to be an addiction, and that's where it went. Um, I always say racing. Yeah, I mean... Racing's an addiction. It, there's no cure. There wasn't, like, no magic, I felt like, over that off-season, like... I had worked a lot to say get myself in shape. I had felt like I had like learned a little bit, you know, from Kevin and them, and was racing online, you know, messing around with a lot of these guys, and just 
anytime you're racing with anybody, I mean, you can race wheelbarrows, you're going to learn something. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. You just... So it just all came together. Yeah, I mean, it all came together. So, like, the very first national win, I thought that was... I mean, that's probably the most memorable go-kart. Stock car, sure. And the first championship was cool. Uh, shit, even finishing second to Kenny Brightbill, that was cool. Um, He's a legend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kenny, man. I mean, to be honest with you, coolest dude that I would probably ever race against. Race against a lot of cool people. You know, Kenny Brightbill is a cool ass dude. And probably got the biggest hands you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> like, just, I mean, I'd see him walking to sign in and like we had one week left to battle in points and we still had a shot so you beat him for your championship Nah, he beat me oh he did for his uh, delmar i finished second to him and then the next year i won my first okay. championship so like i didn't i don't think i officially i don't think he raced that first the year i won my championship maybe he did but he beat me uh year he won a championship and like I always respected Kenny respected the shit out of him he passed me that last night you know how many times like you, you see somebody pass you and you're like god damn it this son of a bitch is getting ready to beat, win the championship and you just want to wreck him like just be that guy and you know you can't do it he's like just Kenny hey, he's the legend like <laughs> I just talked to him at the porter potty and we were cool as shit I can't I mean, just take your losses, move on, come back better next year. And we did. And we won the championship. But the best stock car story is I would flip the modified at Camp Barnes, look like a complete jackass in front of a lot of people because I was trying to go too hard too early. But it, I felt like it was like my one shot to do it, win Camp Barnes, whatever so i flipped the car it hurt like hell and i was pissed off i was mad because i thought that like that was it like i knew we weren't we didn't have a whole lot like we ain't never like had fifty thousand dollars sitting in the bank account to say all right we can go buy this motor or buy that but it was like god damn it we just wrecked this car and there's a lot of work into it a lot of money and like i don't we're probably done for the year. So I was just pissed. Pissed at myself more than anything. Well, Terry's like, God damn it, order, order modified, order a car, get one coming. So we get one coming. We had some help from people, but we got a modified and we built it. And, and it, at that time, I was a little picky about how I wanted my shit looking or whatever. I wanted this, wanted that. So it was like, I just made a complete ass of myself. What color do you want this car to look at? And he's like, I want it red, fire engine red. You know? <laughs> so I was like, all right, God damn, this is going to be a pretty son of a bitch. So it's like, all right, what's the best looking red car we can find? Mm, Tim Richmond. Yeah, so we go with a red and gold, and it was, it was more probably mental than anything. But, like, I set out on a mission to prove every son of a bitch wrong that ever doubted me in my whole life. And it was like, I'm going to show you 
when we build this car, we're going to give it everything we've got. We're going to be fast, and like I felt like it was just, I was going to put everything into it, and I did. I mean, there, I stayed up at least one night in a row, two nights in a row, and was trying to, I mean, I work a 40-hour work, work week. Like, I got to be there. It ain't my right. job. It ain't my business. So, so who, what guy, like, you had, you had Bunk and... Yeah, Bunk and Bull, Bunk and Bull were there. They yeah. were digging. I think, man, I think at this time my parents were off on a vacation. So like, I mean, I'm showing up after work, three o'clock, work on the car all day, all night. Well, you know, I'm gonna call in sick the next day because, <laughs> you know, I mean, we're getting this goddamn car right, and it's gonna somebody's fixing to pay hell when we get this thing done is how I deep down felt in my heart and so I called out sick from work I ain't coming to work well parents are gone so hell with it I'm gonna stay up all night and work on this car boy you want to stay up all night you might as well call out too <laughs> so like, it's like a race who wants to work the hardest to get this job done well like I remember working till uh, goddamn five o'clock in the morning Walk in my parents' house, ain't nobody there. I sit down in the chair, fall asleep for two hours, then, you know, wake up. Oh, shit, we got to finish this car up. It's like, run outside, I'm off work, I better finish this car. Mm. We get this car done, and it, we end up rolling off probably the craziest streak of my life. Like, we won races, damn near every race, to finish the, finish the season out lost a race that we were leading by a mile and blew a tire and like should have won more than what we did and you know, not being cocky but like That's it weird. was good mm -hmm. and I was determined that nobody was going to hold me down from this and it it was literally like the coolest shit that I've ever experienced in my life like I worked as hard as I possibly could so that I knew that I wasn't leaving nothing on the table. And we went to the track and had success. And we won a championship. And like, shit, you might as well set sail on it. You know I mean? That was it. Like, we had done put all the work in. We'd done it all. Like, you know what I mean? It, that was it. Dream like, shit, we're here. Like, that was... That was all I needed to do. Like, I thought that was like, that made me feel like I was part of the situation. Like I'd always thought that like it was somebody else's, you know, somebody else was making up for it that I was like just getting the accolades or whatever. Mm -hmm. And this time it was like, you know, I just flipped that car in front of all you guys. Everybody seen it? Everybody? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Flipped that car, destroyed it, done built this car, come back, went from third to first in championship and proved everybody wrong. And like, I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And that was, I don't think I ran points after that. I didn't want to. I had enough fun racing points and I wanted to go race and learn like how we had always raced in go-karts. So we started traveling around, you know, learning other stuff and it, there's a lot of good people that helped me out in Modifieds. Like, if it wasn't for Rick Bishop, Clearview Farms, like, Holly Hill Farms, uh, 
obviously nothing would have happened without my parents. Uh, Terry's shit, the glue that kept everything together. Uh, shit, probably the glue that put everything together. I just didn't even know about <laughs> it. Um, but I mean, it to somebody that's getting into it, like you don't, you can think that you want it, but you better be ready to like go ahead and get some. Cause like it ain't gonna job. come easy, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you ain't gonna learn tires in a year. Mm-hmm. Like you're gonna learn it, and then you're gonna apply it, and then you're gonna fail, and then you're gonna learn. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. everything is about learning, and that like it it never stops. Like yeah. you learn every day. You learn. Yeah, there's uh, one of my favorite quotes that I always see a lot lately, man. It's like <clears throat> the more I learn, the less I know. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's the truth. It's like. Even with, um, you know, I mean, for everything you're learning, man, you can get get to smaller circles and get more detailed and stuff. But um, anyway, all right, um, Matt, man, I really appreciate your time. Again, I will post some links to your to how to get a hold of you. Um, it's been cool via Twitter and stuff like that. I appreciate your time again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, congrats on the the new addition to the family. Thanks, and uh, I'm also gonna probably post a picture. You're one of the only people I know that have has a victory lane picture with their dog. So, oh, hell yeah. So my I dogs are my homies. Like They're like my little kids. Yeah, so uh, so anyway, I'm going to have a few pictures of post kind of like the last couple podcasts. So again, man, thanks for tuning in, everyone. If you can, uh, you know, you can find us on Anchor or Apple Podcasts, anywhere you can just subscribe to us and um, let other people know. Appreciate it. See ya. Hey, thanks for listening, everyone. Just a couple more things before you leave. Um, Remember, if you see Matt out there, tell him you appreciate his time. It's still kind of weird to get on here and talk and not know who's going to listen to it. And anyone that has made it this far, if you can follow us, share us on Facebook or Twitter, send us any comments or questions you may have. We, you know, I'd definitely like to make this better as we go on to each one. And I'm still learning as well. So anyway, um, I appreciate your time and talk to you later.